Yum nub, you chuck the yum nub. I told me to be chicken, gonna fucking go Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and I am no longer naive enough to be a Jedi. A new power is rising. I have foreseen it. Ooh, and I am Jamie, and to me, you always had a name, and that name is Ponkrell. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> so I I had a 99 quote, and I was like, I bet he's going to do a 99 quote, and I deleted it. <laughs> Well, I, I had a 99 quote, but I realized that I had used it previously. So Then I probably would have used the one that you had already used. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't going to use that one. I was going to use the... Um, oh, I can't remember what it, was, what it was now. It was the... I'm a soldier like you. That's what I was bred for. Mm. Um, but I switched to Ponkrell. Because he's ah. the best. <laughs> I mean, he's no hut, but close enough. No, he's like the same species as Dexter Jetster. Mm. <laughs> and the um, the one guy from uh, the Battle uh, Front book. Yeah, that's right. Uh, who loses one of his arms? The Basculists. Yeah. They're also also in the the Canaan and Hera uh, meat cute book. The people who run the refinery are bas- uh, basilisks. Oh, that's right. One of them gets like thrown, thrown. into a, yep. a vat of chemicals. <laughs> yeah, Oops. Joker style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so today we're going to we're, we're still in Clone Wars, Canon Clone Wars. We're this is our fifth episode. We're going to review Clone Cadets, which is season three, episode one. Um, which originally aired on September 17th, 2010. But before we do that, we like to chit-chat on the top and talk about what Star Wars we did this week. So did you do any Star Wars this week, Jamie? Uh, No, I haven't, other than just... um, I've just been um, watching that Obi-Wan trailer like more. Um, And then just preparing for this, I I really haven't, uh, which is surprising for me. And then every now and then I'll like look into something, uh, and I'll see like, ooh, something on YouTube, and I realize that oh, it's just some asshole put together some um, some uh, things to make it look uh, so, to make something look legit. And then I'm like, oh, I shouldn't really be mad. That's actually pretty good, but uh, I still get annoyed. Yeah, um, I'm beginning to question your commitment to Sparkle Vision. Mm. What's the line from Donnie Darko? Uh. I don't know. It's been a very long time since I've seen that movie. I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. It's something like that. Um, for me this week, I, I actually got a weird, like a little Star Wars trinket thing that I'd ordered a long time ago that it finally came. I, I bought the the, tw- the set of 20 Tops High Republic trading cards. They're the concept art for 20 different characters in the high republic um they were pretty cheap now they're getting expensive for some reason but um, back when i ordered them they were pretty cheap and so they showed up this week and i was pretty excited about that sweet yeah they're, they're just these little trading card size printouts of like the little concept arts of like avar chris and markion row and the dream gear and 
Bill Zetafar and Leox and Geode is in there. He's got his own guard. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some people are uh, prepping for possible World War Three because you know what's going on in Ukraine, and then some people like you are really prepping because you'll know what the currency is of the post-apocalyptic world. When that DC, I live in DC. I'm gonna be. I'm a primary strike zone. I, I sent you the map the other day. Yeah, <laughs> I die. But, I die within minutes. <laughs> but maybe you don't. You don't want to have to sell your kids into slavery, so you're going to have to have those Star Wars cards to uh, for bargaining. Yeah, no, I will be the one in the in the area that has the trading card of the Matthew McConaughey Star Wars character, the Ox. Yeah. That's going to be worth a lot of money. Yeah. In a post-apocalyptic economy, of course. Yeah, that can that can buy you a, at least uh, some uh, studded uh, football shoulder pads and maybe like a studded thong or something. There you go. I guess I shouldn't assume I'm going to die. Those Russian guidance systems could be really shitty. Yeah, if there's any, if there's anything that we're those of us here are watching that they they're either purposely hitting civilian targets or just they're just that bad. Probably a combination of both. Yeah, it's a little from column A, a little from column B there, I, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, maybe maybe I wouldn't die initially. I could hold on for a few years and um, write, a, write fan fiction on whatever's left of the internet. Make YouTube yeah. videos. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of really great uh, post-apocalyptic uh, movies from the 80s. And um, Maybe you can ride around in a AI-controlled motocross bike, um, dodging pirates and and other uh, things. Um, I, I I saw when I was traveling a few years ago. I watched this whatever crap was on Netflix because this is back before Prime and stuff. And and Netflix, well, they still do. They still have really bad uh, selections, but like. They, this is back when they would just have nothing but like the super shitty stuff that would just stuff like um, Middle Storm um, and Crawl and shit like that. You, I remember when you were traveling back then, and you would give me your like watch list. I would say like, "What are you doing?" And you're like, "I'm watching Crawl tonight." I'm like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I also plan on getting drunk. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of really bad movies. Didn't you are, didn't you rewatch GI Joe? <laughs> yeah, I watched some of them. Then I was just like, I can't, I can't. And I've done that with Transformers too. Every now and then, it's just like, it's just like this is not what I remember as a kid. Just like there's like the the really bad. Um, I think uh, we we had talked about this when we when we were talking with the um, Hype Race Heroes guys. They um, just that the animation is just so poor. Like they didn't care. Like one person would be talking, and like the wrong the ro- the wrong robot would be talking, and then like behind you would see like a, a transformer flying, but they didn't even bother coloring him in. And uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's a ton of continuity errors. We pointed some yeah. of those out. Yeah, yeah but in, anyways, post-apocalyptic movies. Watch from the 80s. There's tons of them. As, Tell your wife their uh, research material for for the future. What's the you AI know? bike one that you were talking about? Oh my god, um, it's going to take a little bit to find it, but it was bad. I only made it like 20 minutes in. It's like, oh, this is even bad for this bad for this kind of shitty genre. 
and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not nearly drunk enough for this. Um, this is, I don't know why they just, it might've been like one of those like golden globus ones, like, uh, a friend of mine who studied film and in college said, like, if it's golden globus, it's gotta be bogus. Um, how I going to find that name, that, um, movie, but we should probably move on. So I'll, I'll spot it out at a mo- most inopportune moment. I Googled post-apocalyptic motorcycle. It says Warrior of the Lost World, 1984. <sighs> Could that be it? Yeah, we're way off the map. And I'm I'm getting lazy with edits, so this is all going to be in there. Um, but is this is this the movie? It looks like it. I, I think so. Technically, uh, riders travel traveling through a post-apocalyptic world on his technically advanced motorcycle and his loyal computer Einstein. Yeah, that was it. It was bad. It's like, it was just like you ever, you ever like um, you've been house hunting recently. Have you guys ever like walked into a house and you're just like, nope, and walk right back out? Yeah, that's happened a couple times. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we bought our first house like in, in, in 2010 when and there was tons of foreclosures on the market, and there's tons of them that just look like, oh, this is a flop house. Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, so in this movie was just like that, just like I was just like I just can't. I am not. There's not enough alcohol or drugs to, to make this uh, seem good because it's one of those where the movie poster looks super sweet and then you actually watch it and you're just like, oh, this is this is nothing like it. Okay, Warrior of the yeah. Lost World. Well, we'll save that for our '80s uh, post-apocalyptic podcast. Uh, I I do that podcast if I had the time. Post post apocalyptic movie review podcast. <laughs> All right, you want to move on? Yes. All right. So today we are going to talk about Clone Cadets, which I said was season three, episode one of um, the Clone Wars. But in our continuity order, it is episode five. But we covered the movie in two episodes, and so it's really like the fourth quote unquote episode in the continuity order. So we have we have a couple cast members today we want to highlight up front. Um, first is Bob Bergen. Um, he plays Lama Sue in three episodes of Clone Wars and five episodes of Bad Batch. I don't honestly remember if we talked about him in Bad Batch, but I don't think we did. Because he also plays the sea monster Bebo in one episode of Resistance. Um, <laughs> we'll, and we'll get there. Yeah. Um, Bob did a ton of VO work in Star Wars video games, mostly playing Luke Skywalker in games like X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter, which is a game I played a ton of. Um, but he's a voice actor, really, who's done Porky Pig and Tweety Bird in several Looney Tunes creations going back for a long time. But if you go digging in this guy's backstory, he was in Akira in Fraggle Rock, a problem child, and he played the dog in Look Who's Talking Now. So this guy has been around um, for a long time. <laughs> um, so we'll see him in future episodes of Clone Wars, um, but his Star Wars acting right now is pretty much limited to Lama um, We've got two bounty hunters in today's episode, and we're going to highlight those actors. Brick, the bounty hunter, is played by a guy named Larry Brandenburg, um, and this is his only Star Wars credit, at least that I can find. He's also listed as the medical droid 
in this episode, but I couldn't. I guess there's a medical droid in the sort of voiceover beginning, but it doesn't really make any noise, so I don't know why he's built that way. Um, this guy's been in a ton of stuff, though. Um, never as like a leading guy, as far as I can tell, but he's like a supporting actor in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Fargo, The Untouchable, Shawshank Redemption. Um, and he was in an episode of Quantum Leap. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I just I was scanning back through, and I really like Quantum Leap, and I saw that he did one episode. You would recognize this guy if you saw a picture of him. He's one of those that guys. Not like When I saw the photo of him, I was like, oh, yeah, I have seen him and stuff. And then when I saw Shawshank Redemption, I was like, oh, right, he's the guy that's always hanging out with Red. He's like the older guy. Um, the other bounty hunter, L. Less... Um, is played by a guy named Nolan North. And this is also his only Star Wars animation credit, but he's played a bunch of voices in KOTOR. Um, and he's currently on shows like Star Trek, Lower Decks, um, Family Guy. He's been in a bunch of episodes of Family Guy, and he's been in all of the Captain Underpants shows and movies. Um, he also played a character named Chris Ramsey on General Hospital for a bunch of years back in the 90s. Um, and I, because I was going crazy with research today, looked up who Chris Ramsey was on General Hospital, even though I have not seen an episode of General Hospital in probably 30 years. Um, and apparently General Hospital goes a little fucking crazy. Um, and he, he, his plot involves some stuff with vampire blood. Oh, alright, that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense, right? Um. So go ahead and go to the General Hospital Wiki, because of course that exists, to see all about his um, plot arc. There's a section on there called Crimes Committed. Um, apparently Chris Ramsey was not a good guy. Um, do you have any questions or comments about the cast no. for this one? No, I don't. All right, those are the ones I, I summarized, so we can probably go on to the plot summary. So the... The moral or sort of the billboard at the front is brothers in arms are brothers for life. And we're going to talk about whether or not that is applicable after we go through the plot. All right. All right. So the voiceover sets up the life cycle of a clone and introduces us to the Jedi General Shakti, at least in Clone Wars. Um, with the assistance of bounty hunters, they're responsible for the training of the clones on Kamino before they're shipped off to war. So the show... The camera sort of zooms in on a training scene. We're in a room with like a gridded floor and walls and battle droids and blaster bolts are flying all around the room. There are five clones in the course working their way to the front. This is Domino Squadron. And they are the titular cadets. Um, an order is sent through the comms. It really drops us into the action. So we're in the training simulation with them. An order sent through the comms telling the squad to proceed to the target, a structure called the Citadel, which is at the front, sort of the front of this football field-sized arena. Um, one of the clones repeats the orders to the others, and they call him Echo. Um, <laughs> Echo doesn't like this nickname, but it persists. And we're going to do this throughout this episode. As they pick up their nicknames, we're going to point it out and... From that point forward, start using their nickname. All right, so another clone, CT782, has broken formation and tells the others that they should proceed to the Citadel. 
Um, he has a huge repeating rifle, and is just wiping out droids. Um, the others object, but he's clearing a path, and so they decide to follow him. Um, we learn another clone goes by fives. His number, his registration number is basically all fives. Um, and the clones continue to argue throughout the exercise. They can't listen to each other. They have no cohesion as a unit, and they're acting as individuals. I'll say I, I like this episode. I'm not going to get rank yet, but it's just like there's no way in hell they got to this to this uh, part of their training and don't know squad tactics. And like and somebody hasn't been assigned squad leader. There, there's no way they wouldn't just throw five people, five uh, clones or soldiers together without saying, "Hey, you, you're the squad leader for this one." I mean, even Boy Scouts, they they assign a patrol leader, so they're not just running around. There's one that's always in charge. Before the battle, like they would have self-selected one, or one of the instructors would have been like, "You, you're it." And so it's just it's just strange that just to throw them into. Uh, like that that they're at this level of training and they don't know just to like follow orders or or actually who's in charge yeah so there's there's a couple things um this is a economy of storytelling they have to show growth and we can talk about whether whether or not they do that effectively i'll I'll step my hand and say this is a wonderful episode um but we'll get to the rankings in our discussion later so even though I'm going to be critical about it, I think this is a great, great episode. Um, but yeah, so there's an economy of storytelling here where they show growth by showing that they suck and then that they don't suck. <laughs> um, but you're right. Like, these people are, like, a week away from their graduation, and they're still, like, elbowing each other and talking back and and cracking jokes and not taking the, the training seriously. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to believe that this is, like, a, an elite fighting force. It's like it's almost like a police academy movie right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Well, which one of them is uh, the one that makes the the noises and uh, it's like high tower or something? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, so we cut away from the training and we're up on this observation deck where Shock T asks the bounty hunters. Um, we'll get into them in a second. Um, what what they think of this clone unit? She does not think they're doing well. So Brick, who's a Cinetine bounty hunter, he's the alien that sort of looks like a brain, like his, his skull looks like a brain. Says that he's no Jedi, but they should fail and be put on maintenance duty. With a the sec- other, you know, so they say with the um, with the other um, maintenance, he calls them re-rex or bad batchers. Yeah, yeah. So he uses the word bad batch and calls them rejects. And implies that there are failed clones out there. And we're going to get there too. The other bounty hunter named L.S., who's an Arconan, who's sort of, he's it's another alien from the cantina scene in A New Hope. Because um, there was a Cinetine in the cantina and an Arconan. This guy's sort of a green alien with sort of a Y-shaped head. Um, with the eyes high on the head, or, yeah, sort of. Uh, he says they can't be failed for a bad practice run, and they need to be given a proper chance. This is fair. Um, Shakti thinks the cadets are just not ready for their final test. Um, she says that Echo never adapts, and that CT-782 follows his own path, 
Um, and then as they're sort of running down what's going on, the rest of the clones are captured and or shot by the practice drones. Shakti calls for Clone 99 to clean the training room. 99 shows up, and we see that he is sort of a deformed clone. Um, yeah, very kind of like Quasimodo-ish. With that. It looks like he's uh, aging. Um, he's got the Benjamin Buttons kind of look where he looks a lot older. Yeah, he's hunchbacked, and he's sort of, he's got like mottled skin in a weird way, and he's obviously injured, or like congenitally injured, I should say. Like, there's some sort of developmental issue with him. Um, But he shows up, and Domino Squadron says hi to 99 and apologizes for the mess, and he just says, no problem, right? Um, Back at the barracks, 99, by the way, I'm I'm sure we're going to get into it. He's all over this episode, and he's in a couple of future episodes, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're another clone-heavy episode, so we're going to get into it. Back at the barracks, CT-782 throws his helmet in frustration. Echo says that they need to follow orders. The others start to argue. Um, CT-782, and he gets well, a name. You, you, missed, you, you, you skipped over a very funny thing. Oh yeah, go for it. I, I almost put it in there, but I was like, you can, well, you can have I it. I don't, know, I, I don't know who it is because they've, they all sound alike. But one of them starts talking like, like he's like smooth talking or putting the moves on some girl, and then like, and then another comes like, you never even met a girl, and so, so say like, why? I mean, that's the sort of stuff that um, like friends do, talk about like your, your. Uh, your sexual conquests, and it's just, well... Yeah, you, know, or, you, never, or, or, guess, you or, never guess what happened at the bar last night. Yeah, um, but it's just like how, like, it's just, I find it pretty funny because they're all stuck. They're they're, they're all stuck on the floating city. Like, um, tapioca? Tapioca. Yes. Tapioca? Tapioca? tapioca. They're, they're all stuck on Camino, so there's no way that they've ever met, like, a human woman. Um... So it's just like, you know, like who, who the hell do you think you're you're fooling? Yeah, so those two, I'm pretty sure those two arguing are fives and cut up. <laughs> um, because I think droid bait is in the bunk at the top, but but it's a great it's a great line. So CT seven eighty two is being a hothead, and he and Echo start fighting each other, like they're really coming to blows. And then Brick shows up. Brick is the brain alien. Um, Cinetine, which I didn't say earlier, but Cinetine is an anagram of Einstein. Uh, oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that's how you, that's how I remember. Um, CT seven two eight tells Brick that maybe they f- maybe they're failing because he's a bad teacher and that he would prefer to be trained by a Jedi. And Brick basically says, "You're not worth a Jedi's time." It's pretty. It's a pretty cutting. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cutting remark. <laughs> Brick tells the squad that he was rooting for them, but they're messing up. He calls them a waste of time, and he calls them Bad Batch again. 99 sticks up for them quietly, but Brick is just not having it. Brick is a very brusque character here. He has no love lost for anybody in this episode. And he's sort of like a like semi-abusive, tell-it-like-it-is tell it sort of guy. Where you're just like, no, you fucked up. You trusted us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up. You trusted us. <laughs> Um, Shock T meets 
Shakti meets with Lama Su to discuss the quality of the clones. Lama Su says they've been stretching Jango Fett's DNA since his death. This doesn't this doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I I didn't understand. Okay, because you're you, and this is something that was brought up in the Bad Batch too. But I was like, how can you not? You don't have ways of making it. It's like, well, don't you just grab another clone and then you have more? Well, there's reasons why you wouldn't want to do that. Like, if we we don't want to go hard science here. We don't necessarily want to make a copy of a copy. But the idea that they don't have original genetic material is absurd. Like, like what are you doing? You're doing a really shitty job. Because you, you don't need the living person there to have their DNA. Right? You can get DNA off of a dried, dried drop of semen 50 years later. Well, right? but it's w- not hard to do. Well, well, here's a question. And you being a scientist, uh, I, um, about a year ago, the wife and I watched, a, um, I think it was a documentary on Henrietta Lacks. Yeah, I'm aware. Um, that I've, you, You're aware that I've watched this? No, I'm aware of Henrietta Lacks. <laughs> but, like, they've been using, like, her, it's like, this, like DNA, like, forever. Um, sort of. So the the HeLa stuff is really complicated genetically, but but cancer cell lines can be immortal in ways that human cell lines can't, like normal human um, cell lines can't be immortal. And Henrietta Lacks, the HeLa cells, are a line of cervical cancer cells taken from Henrietta Lacks at Johns Hopkins, like in the 50s, and they're immortal, but they're not necessarily unchanged over time i'm saying that that i've cloned as a scientist i've generated thousands of clones um in the laboratory of bacteria and yeast and and lower organisms and you never ever 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 do something like that without backups like you have hundreds of stop points and ways to dial the clock back on a cloning line you should be able to go back in time to any point in the lineage of your clones. And if you're a military contractor who's making millions, tens of millions of these things, potentially, you sure shit better have really tight control over the genetic lineage of them. Also, this line doesn't make any sense because of the timing. How old are they? Django Fett's been dead for months. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, he really has. Mm-hmm. He died in Attack of the Clones. Like, how incompetent are you? Like, this is like, I don't know. I, I can't even think of a parallel. It's like blaming, like, like I, I don't know, like a meteorite hit the Earth. The one that killed the dinosaurs? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I didn't get my report done. Like, <laughs> there's nothing to do with it. Like, there's no connection here. Like, these clones had to have been made when Jango Fett was alive. Right? Yeah, they have to, they accelerated aging, but they have to be at least a few years old, right? Yeah. Well, also think about like like um, CT seven thirty eight or sorry seven eighty two. Um, his number. Yeah. Like Rex. <laughs> Another good point. <laughs> Rex's number is seventy five sixty seven. Well, he's already in, in active duty. It's rank of captain, assuming that um, that it, the the Grand Army of the Republic's you know. Um, ranking structure kind of somewhat uh, is the same as ours. Like he, he's not like a like a fresh lieutenant. He's been out there for a while. So how 
how does he have a higher number than these guys? And, yeah. and like you got like fives in there too. It's confusing, um, and we you can either say we don't understand the nomenclature, which is possible, but also it's it's just bad. It's just it's just confusing, and this is not a good excuse. There's a Dewey Decimal System um, uh, thing that was ma- uh, made for uh, <laughs> cloning numbers and uh, by some Kaminoan who also happened to be like like a, a sexual harasser and a womanizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good poll. <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep going. Um, they recommend... So Lamasu recommends that the Jedi find another template for new rounds of clones, um, which also is a shitty, shitty thing to tell them. Um, Lamasu use Domino Squadron as a malfunction. Shakti says that they're living beings and they deserve respect. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, because we need to throw them into the meat grinder. <laughs> yeah. We need to respect them. We need, we need them to shield us from, from uh, blasters. Yeah. So in the hangar, an arc trooper, a bunch of arc troopers show up and they discuss the final test for the trooper, that the troopers will go through. Brick introduces the ARC Troopers as the Rancor Battalion. I really love that. Mm-hmm. Love, I love that detail. The ARC Troopers are named Blitz, Colt, and Havoc. And there's a fourth unidentified one that has no name. So the ARC Troopers sort of give this rousing speech about, about what it's like to be in the battlefield and how this test will determine their status in the army. Um, and then they ask... Bravo squadron or Bravo unit to run the test because they are they are the fastest time in the practice runs. And I really love this scene because there's four groups of them and Bravo's like red and there's a yellow group and then Domino's green. We'll talk about the uniforms in a minute. And then there's like a like an orange one behind them. Um, Echo's excited to watch another squad run the course. He thinks they're going to learn something. I'm just trying to feel like once again, I'm trying to figure out like why they're they have the they have the Greek alphabet, um, but then they also have like they know what dominoes are. Yeah, I there's a there's a line later where they say let's watch the dominoes fall, and I was like like so they know the game like they know what dominoes do right like yeah like how far does it go? There's a lot of uh, like like old Cuban men who live on Camino. <laughs> So that's how they know about dominoes. They're playing bones. All right, so the the Bravo or the Bravo Squadron starts the Citadel Challenge, and the Arc Troopers and the and the Bounty Hunters call up uh, version THX variable one one three eight. Um, did you catch this? Yes, I did. I'm glad you wrote uh, it down. <laughs> I loved I love this detail. It's, it's reference to George Lucas's earlier film THX one one three eight. Bravo Bravo Squadron are doing great and they're advancing on the Citadel. They fire their zip lines up and one member of the squad captures the flag at the top of the tower. I, n- I never described the, like the objective of the course, but it's basically capture the flag. And it's this huge structure called the Citadel. It's actually modeled after the Citadel prison. That we'll see in later episodes. It's the same shape of the building. It's just scaled down a lot. Um, but basically, they have to advance through this football field-sized room, um, and then 
sort of scale this wall somehow using these ascension cables and like these grappling hooks and then capture the flag at the top. Is that an accurate description? Yeah. We see it in Bad Batch too, right? It's one of the rooms, it's the room that they do their confrontation with, um, what's the sniper's name in Bad Batch? I just completely blanked. Oh, um, Crosshair? Crosshair. Ugh. So they do their they do their confrontation with Crosshair in this room. Um, so we, we've seen it before, for sure, in, in our podcast continuity at least. So Colt, the ARC trooper, is impressed, and he asks who's next. And they say Domino Squad is next. Colt asks how they are, and the bounty hunters don't really answer, but they sort of scoff. Yeah. It's not it's not setting a great stage for Domino. Mm-hmm. So Domino enters the arena, and they see Bravo leaving. And as Bravo's passing them, they say, someone in Bravo Squad says, time to watch the Dominoes fall, which is a cultural reference in our world. Yeah. Not, <laughs> we have no reason to understand why it's in their world. Well, it's like when... Uh... Han tells the people, um, the, the uh, members of the Rebel Alliance, and they tell him not to take the Tauntaun now. He's like, well, I'll see you in hell. It's like, and they must be like, what's that? In Christian hell. I'll <laughs> see you in Christian hell. Yeah. You probably don't remember this, but you actually, I put that on my Facebook page once. And you yes. you explained it. Do you remember your explanation? <laughs> yes, it was a hot, it was like the, like uh, hot equipment, logistics. I can't remember what the, the last one was, but it was just basically he was going to have to go before uh, a quartermaster. A, 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 yeah, before yeah before a quartermaster and explain why he took a perfectly good tauntaun out to die. Also, I'd like to point out that the tauntaun didn't die before it reached the first marker. It uh, it choked to death. It didn't freeze before it reached the first marker. It choked to death on its mucus before it reached the first marker. And so Cliff Clavin or whoever yelled that at him. Um, was not was not accurate. <laughs> You're talking about choked death on its frozen flame before it reaches the first marker. <laughs> it drank way too much before the show and and fucked a bunch of groupies. It's gonna <laughs> choke on its own vomit. Wow, we're really really earning that explicit tag this time. <laughs> um, Domino Squad enters the arena. Um, at first, Domino's doing better. Looks like they're advancing. Colt says that they're sloppy. Brick says if they give them new orders, um, they will fail, and it'll fall, all fall apart. One of them gets shot. I couldn't tell which one. But CT-782 orders the rest of the men to advance and to leave the fallen soldier behind. They advance, and the simulation immediately ends. Domino Squadron is told that since they left a the man behind, they automatically failed the exercise, and they're not even allowed to complete the task. Um, after this disqualification, LS and Brick are talking and sort of debriefing on what they've done wrong. And LS tells Brick that he's requested that Domino Squad get another chance to complete the course. Brick says he shouldn't care so much about the clones. This is just a job. But LS keeps saying that they could be great. They could be the best soldiers that they've ever had. And Brick says he's already requested that they sent to be maintenance and cleaning crew basically to help 99. So there's basically two competing recommendations going to the general. Yeah. I mean, Brick was actually like looking out for them because, because at least five and heavies or fives and heavy, we know, we know uh, don't make it. So if they're just scr- uh, scrubbing toilets on Camino, 
they would have uh, they would have survived. Of course, they would have probably tried to have killed Shakti, but just taking a plunger to her face, you know, it's like. Mm, let's not let's not think about what happens if at Order sixty six with these guys yet. <laughs> um, so now it's up to Shakti. Echoes. It's a great point of view though that 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 Brick is actually trying to protect them. It's like like they're these these guys are gonna get their asses killed. Like let's hold them back. Mm-hmm. Um, Echoes and Five go to Shakti alone. They request a transfer to the, to another squad. Shakti says that in the Jedi. They are individuals and a group, just like the clones, and that the clones need to solve their problems within a group, not as individuals. Um, so then we cut to another scene, and CT4040 goes to meet Brick by himself in a hangar. And Brick tells him that he's pretty sure that CT4040 is the reason why his squad is failing. Um, Brick thinks that CT4040 thinks Brick is being funny, and he's openly defiant towards Brick. Brick asks CT if he hates him. Brick calls him a joker and a cut-up, and then he just starts punching him. CT4040 thanks Brick for giving him his nickname, Cut-Up. Brick threatens him, and Cut-Up walks away. Yeah, it was very much kind of like a, a joker sort of thing, where he beats him up, and then he's just like, thanks! Yeah, it's we're going to talk about Cut-Up, because I think Cut-Up, they made some interesting choices with Cut-Up. CT, so now we're back at the barracks. CT782 gets out of bed and goes to his locker. 99 confronts him and asks if he's going AWOL. I don't know where he thinks he's going, because they're on a floating yeah. city on a planet. And he happens to have a pretty much the um, the blaster version of a of a minigun just in his locker. Yeah, it, it's 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 like a Gatling gun. <laughs> so CT782 um, calls 99 a failure. And his squad a bad batch. 99 tells him to embrace the fact that he has a team. 99 gives him a pep talk and calls him Heavy. Heavy says they don't get names, they just get numbers. 99 says, no, you've always had a name to me. And so yeah. Heavy becomes Heavy at this point. Yeah, yeah I really like this, this speech um, by 99. The um, He calls, he says, you know, he's a failure like 99. And 99's like, well, how can I be a failure when I never got my shot? And so for me, that kind of, that resonates because personally, like my, my military career kind of bef- ended before it began. Granted, I would have been a real fuck up and uh, I, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, we're doing this instead of you dying in some fucking desert. <laughs> yeah. Um, or more than likely shot by my, by the, by the people I'm supposed to lead because I was such an idiot uh, when I was, uh, when I was younger. That they that they would yeah. Here, here are your me. choices: die in die in a desert, get fragged, or do a Star Wars podcast with me. You made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, and plus, uh, friends that I have, he said like you, you didn't miss much. But your your knees, thank you for not going to airborne school. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I guess so. But back to it, it just uh, it just does resonate with me, and like like when you like. Um, like when you find out about like the people who were like so like devastated they couldn't enlist after Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that, uh, I had a friend who couldn't who couldn't join after 9/11, and he was super upset. Mm-hmm. Like I get it. Like, and I think I think 99's point of view here is like his whole life is helping these people. Right? He his entire existence is making making it possible for them 
to get off this planet, and he knows he's never going to. And that has to be tough. And he has to keep this attitude that, no, I'm important. Like, I am contributing to this cause by facilitating these people being the best that they, they can be. Yeah. When they have diarrhea, I clean it up. We, we can dump on it all, all we want, but he's, he's a really ins- inspirational character. No, he is. I, I like it. It's just – you said dump. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to – I'm just trying to make a, a joke at his expense. But yeah, no, there's the people in the rear with the gear are very important, even though sometimes they don't think so. And, and it's good that 99 like realized that he he knows his place. He's sad that he never got his shot, but he he keeps uh, he keeps kind of everything going. And we get an episode with 99 with a pretty, pretty amazing 99 centered redemption arc in in a little bit. But we'll talk about that when we get there. All right. So the next morning, Heavy is gone. The squad is standing around, confused why he's not there. And they say he's not going, if he doesn't show up, they're not going to pass. But he shows up and says that they're ready to pass. And he's sort of taking this leadership role. Yeah. He tells the squad that his name is Heavy now. Yeah. And uh, he, he, uh, and he's also uh, married because he had just gone to uh, the Camino version of, uh, Las Vegas and married a, a stripper. He's never even seen a woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a robot, but they don't know that. So Domino Squad enters the training area and the attack begins. It's going pretty smoothly. They get to the first sort of waypoint, the sort of barricade in the middle of the room. They're communicating and moving from obstacle to obstacle. They're getting optimistic um, and they make it to the base of the Citadel. So this is the best that they've done so far. They go to get their ascension cables to go up the face of the Citadel, but all of their cables are missing. So check your gear, everybody. LS in the observation sort of platform is confused. Where are the ascension cables? Brick muses that they must be lost. Shock T and LS are surprised that Brick has sabotaged Domino Squadron. LS insists that the simulation must stop, but Shock T makes a pretty compelling case, like, no, like, all is fair in love and war. Let's let, let's see what they do. Yeah, it's a good call, because you don't, you're going to, they're going to be thrown into battle, and shit's, um, shit's going to go wrong. It's going to go sideways. What's the saying? No, uh, no plan um, withstands the, or, well, Every, Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, that's Mike Tyson's version of it. But there's a there's a version of it that just says no plan survives for like first contact with the enemy or something like that. Everything goes out the window, so they have to be prepared to be able to do whatever it takes to get get the job done. Domino puts together a plan to disable the guns and use the mounts where the guns are hooked to the citadel to scale the face of the building. Echo draws the cannons fire while the rest of the squad disables the guns. Then all of them scale the building together and make it to the flag. Um, Echo's a little bit behind. Brick admits that the solution was interesting. LS is really impressed, so is Shock T. She tells Brick that his sabotage actually proved that they were a better squad, which is true. They were able to use their uh, ingenuity to solve the problem versus just solving the cookie cutter problem like, um, like the rest of them did. Like the rest of the other squads did, or assumably they did. Yeah, so we saw the Bravo Squadron and the tactic they used, and they had to come up with a unique tactic, and that was great. So back at the belt, back at the barracks, 
LS is giving Domino Squadron their medals and tells them that they've graduated. Heavy talks with 99 and thanks him for the heart-to-heart. 99 says, this is goodbye then. Heavy ships off and 99 stays here. This is some heavy shit. Not, mm-hmm. No pun intended for the name, but like this is this is like the, the weight that 99 carries. Heavy says that they will see each other again, and Heavy gives 99 his medal. And tells him that he's one of them. It's a very wonderful moment. Mm-hmm. Now we're back in the hangar, and Shock T is standing in front of de-identified clones. And she congratulates the cadets and says that they are now troopers. And hundreds of troops march on to this waiting cruiser. Um, and that's the end. And I put the names of the Domino Squadron at the bottom. It's five, Fives, Echo, Heavy, Cut Up, and Droid Bait. Um, let's just get right into it because we've been talking a lot. Um, did you like this episode? Oh, yeah, I did. I, I liked this episode a lot. Hey, give me... Give me the inner workings of the clone army and like the whole like the training and whatnot any day. I will uh, I'll eat that shit up. This is this is an, a colossal world building episode. This is and we can talk we can launch into sort of my summary of Dave Filoni's interview about this episode. But he basically said that the episode Rookies, which is the fifth or sixth episode in season one, was one of the most popular episodes that they ever made. And we're going to get there in a couple of weeks. But he said that based on the response to that episode, that they had to make a prequel showing where these guys came from, showing their relationship and how and how the training works. And, and the goal of this episode is to show that clones don't come out ready to fight, that there is a process and a procedure and training that they undergo to become the soldiers that they are. And that's what he wanted to show with this prequel. And so we're, we're in season three, but we're watching it early because we're doing it in continuity order. But, but I think, I think from a world building point of view, this is a very important episode. Mm-hmm. It, shows, it really establishes that this individuality that the clones express happens really at this training level or earlier rather than. Well, you think on, about it. You, you think about it that okay, they're all genetically the same. They're gonna look generally the same, sound generally the same, but from the the moment that they're popped out of the pods that they're they're grown in, they all have slightly different experiences that change them in, in radically different ways throughout their their lives. Even how like whatever sh- how short they are, that they um, that just just little little differences here and there about like um, whether how they're treated by one you know person versus another versus just random chance. What causes Echo to repeat everything? Why is he like trying to be so sure? Why does Heavy all of a sudden feel the need to kind of carry the carry the whole burden of the team, uh, like metaphorically at least on on him? Why why does you know Cut Up have a sense? Why why is he kind of a, a jokester? They've we've got the, the the nature parts right, but the slow, the the nurture um, aspect just takes them in wildly different directions. One of the things that Filoni was talking about in his interview is he said once the clones are in the field, it's easy easy to differentiate them um, because you can mess with their uniforms, you can get different colors or different sigils and things. But on the base, they all have the same uniform, they all have the same. Um, voice and haircut and everything no one has a face tattoo 
<laughs> and he and he said so we had to do a lot of like physicality and intonation to express the differences for example echo is always speaking crisply and standing up straight heavy is carrying a lot of weight in his shoulders and has a deeper voice cut up has a slight accent that's different than the other clones at times he almost sounds scottish <laughs> and fives is always being short and chopping off his words and this is what they what they needed to do in order to differentiate them and it's why it's very hard at times to tell who's doing what mm-hmm. and who's being what and we had that conversation earlier like we don't know who's telling that joke i'm pretty sure it's cut up in fives i think cut up's the one telling the joke about the girl and fives is the one saying you've never even seen a girl <laughs> i want to talk about these training uniforms though because these training uniforms at the end of the episode we see them in clone trooper um type two uniforms but throughout the episode, we see them primarily in these training uniforms. What do you think about these uniforms? Um, they're they're fine to me. They look like dinged up. They remind me of the equipment I had um, when I uh, attended basic training. It's shit that's been recycled over and over and over again. You know, I, I particularly remember um, specifically the LBE that I had in basic training had it was like super old and it like was worn like on the neck. So like it was like constantly cutting into my neck, which sucked, you know. But it was just like, well, what are you gonna do? They just, it's the military. They just, they just, you're just, you're just trainees at that point. They, you, they don't give a shit what they give you. Yeah, here's, you know, a piece, the, here's a piece of trash. Use this. Yeah, I remember just like the, uh, like the stuff just all just. Anybody who's been in the military knows that awful, musty smell of shit that's just been around forever. Um, but yeah, they're. Their uniforms had that very beat up look of like, like there's been probably thousands or of clones who have you know worn that armor. It's it's got that it's got that look like Boba Fett's armor does. Like it's very it's been used. It's not just cleaned, constantly clean. And um, the helmet is much different. It gives them much more. It's it's similar. But I'm guessing that it's open so that the instructors can see their faces, or maybe they can see their face, but I don't know how that helps because they look like each other. Yeah, so the, the helmet is very different, and it's it's got like this clear visor all the way down the face of it, and it looks like something you would put on people so you could see their faces, but you're right, they all look they all have the exact same face, so what's the point? I think it is, from a stylistic point of view, it is a wonderful choice because it 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 makes them more human and less drone-like to see them. Yeah, that's probably that probably was the choice of like the writers and the designers that like, well, because like anything, you just can't um, if they're just going to be have their buckets on the entire time, you can't really they just become you know automatons but if you can see their face you, it makes them look human and you can empathize, empathize with them more versus if they just had the regular helmets where you couldn't really see their face like you might not empathize with them or you can see like their exactly. facial expressions for what's going on with them at the at any particular time and that's why the the ending of the episode is mildly heartbreaking because they end up at the loading the cruiser in their phase two armor and domino squads in there and bravo squads in there and presumably alpha squads in there or whatever the other squads are called and they all look exactly the same they're mm-hmm. in, they're completely indistinguishable from one another 
All right, so we should probably keep going because I've got some other notes. I just want to note that the the design of those uniforms were after old football uniforms, like old leather football uniforms from like the 30s, I guess. Um, That was a trivia piece on StarWars.com. Hmm, that's pretty cool. All right, so... So this episode had a bunch of first appearances, and I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on some of these characters. Some we see again, and some we don't. Um, so let's start with the two bounty hunters, Brick and LS. What did you think of these characters? I thought they were all right. I, I didn't. I didn't really have much of an opinion either way of like Ellis because he just he's a bounty hunter, but doesn't seem very badass. Um, Brick Brick seems very like, military, just like he's just mean. I did like the characters, and I did like them using kind of like odd aliens that we or odd species I should say that they they don't normally use. Yeah, that's the part I love about it. I love I love that Clone Wars pulls in new and legacy species to fill in this cast. And I couldn't tell if like Brick was trying to be like that hard ass um, drill instructor from like Full Metal Jacket. I don't. I can't. I couldn't tell if like his character was supposed to be channeling that that sort of attitude. He doesn't quite yeah. get that hard, but he's definitely on the harder. Like he felt like someone who might have been in the military at some point. Um, yeah, because I mean, is out. he is he is he Arlie Ermy where he's just brutal to them, or is he more like um, I can't think of the character's name, but uh, Louis Gossett Jr. from An Officer and a Gentleman, where he's a he's a hard ass, but he's doing it because he cares. Precisely, precisely. So it's someplace, it's someplace on that spectrum. He's someplace in between those two, right? He doesn't say that you can suck a golf, suck a golf ball through a garden hose at any point. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets close when he when he punches Cut Up. Mm-hmm. Like it seems, it seems personal when he's attacking Cut Up, but it seems, it seems like he's trying to do the right thing for for the squad too. It's it's complicated. Yeah, because like, did he? Is he purposely trying to um, fuck them up, or is he trying by by stealing their ascension cables, or is he trying to get them to rise above? Yeah, that, that that his motivation there is really hard to see. It feels like he's trying to fuck them over. Yeah, that's that's how I f- kind of feel too. That he's just like, well, fuck these guys. Like, sooner these guys fail, sooner I can get some like train some guys who aren't um, dipshits. All right, so. The next, the next first appearance in this episode are the ARC Troopers. Um, so this is the first appearance of ARC Troopers in canon. Um, although they did appear in the to- 2003 Tartavosky Clone Wars that we already reviewed for our podcast. And in the director's commentary track for Volume 2, Tartavosky claims that they were designed by Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I thought was a fact that you would enjoy. Yes, of course. Um, they also appeared in the Dark Horse comic Republic 50, which is also considered Legends now, which predates this episode. But um, what do we think of ARC Troopers? Do you know what ARC stands for, by the way? It says Advanced Reconnaissance Commando. Yep, that is correct. Yeah. So, yeah, and we, we, we discussed earlier that they're not special forces. They're more like Army Rangers, where they're infantry, but they're a, kind of a a level or two above just regular foot soldiers. Yeah, and we're going to get we're going to get into it. There's an episode coming up called Arc Troopers and we're going to get into Arc Troopers a lot. 
The other thing that I found very entertaining in my research was the Rancor squad of our troopers that showed up. Mm-hmm. They're basically hype men. Their entire existence is predicated on meeting with clones and telling them that they're going to do a good job, and they've they've seen next to no combat. Um, and so and so it is like a propaganda. They are basically propaganda pieces. Okay. Walking, walking talking propaganda to hype up clones to go into battle. Where, where did where did you where did you read this? Or so there's a, there's a ton of Wikipedia articles about um, these guys, and they have no military records. And and we'll get to it. There's no, there's an episode coming up called Arc Troopers. We're gonna we're gonna really drill down on these guys because a lot of these Rancor squad is in that episode, and it's it's revealed how inexperienced they are in battle. Huh. Okay. These these guys are tied to the training program exclusively, and they're they are put out there as the goal for the clones to achieve. They're the archetype. Yeah. So like they're the. Uh... David Schwimmer in uh, um, Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. Yep. <laughs> yep. He's and fortunately they made the right decision in Band of Brothers. Yeah. Um, all right. Next next appearance. Um, Bravo Squadron. What do you think of them? Um, they just seem like your regular clones. Then they, they it it made me think of like they're like the. Um, the cool kids or like the, the, the cool fraternity who uh, they can do everything right. And the, they're the alpha betas from Revenge of the Nerds. And yeah. Domino Squadron is Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. Yeah. So, so I, I looked up all of the characters in Bravo Squadron and they, they actually have like a fives and except it's three, five, 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 five. Um, and there's a parallel to every single character but there's only follow-up on one which is the one labeled one and it's ct663233 and he appears in a book called defenders of the galaxy which is pretty much a retelling of the training and how he becomes an arc trooper as well um it's not very satisfying but it's good to see like it's alpha betas right it's good to see Mm -hmm. the juxtaposition in between the different kinds of um, clones there are. Um, I, I enjoyed Bravo Squadron. I, I really like that scene where the four the four colored squadrons are together, um, getting sort of the briefing on their final test. Mm-hmm. And then the the other the other last appearance or first appearance we have um, in this episode is ninety nine. Um, I think ninety nine. I'm I'm just say something about ninety nine real quick, and then I want I want to get your thoughts on ninety nine. I think 99 becomes a critical character moving forward. Um, like, not just a character, but like a concept. 99 is the name of Bad Batch mm-hmm. later. Like, the Bad Batch that we... Yeah. The titular Bad Batch from the Bad Batch series. It is in comic books that there's Stormtrooper Units 99. Yeah, that, it's that got, are, um, Task Force 99. Exactly. Task Force 99, yeah. What what do you think about this introduction of ninety nine? What does he work in this episode? Is he? Oh, oh, he's great. I I I love the fact that they show that like well, not everybody. It doesn't always work. Sometimes the cloning things like too close to the microwave, or or it gets contaminated or something. Something happens to where um, one doesn't come out right, 
And so I like the fact, like showing that, that they're not all successful. They're still useful. I like the idea that there are more like 99. And part of me would be interested in knowing, like kind of like what happens, like like the, the lower decks of the, um, the, the cloning facility. But then I think that would take away from the specialness of 99. Like maybe like... It wouldn't, it wouldn't, right? I, I mean, are they like the Morlocks of kind of like the, of Camino, where they're just kind of like, they're the ones that kind of keep everything running. Uh, 99 is really the only one who uh, comes out or looks good enough to, to come out. I, I don't know. I'd be interested, but I would, at the same time though, I, want, I don't want it diluted because he's such a great character. He's the, um, he's kind of like the, I don't know, like uh, if ever growing up or if you have somebody in your family, like one of my uncles is actually only a few years older than me and he's, he's, he's a little slow. And so just having a 99 there just, just makes me think of him just, just very like all heart, you know, um, he's just, you know, just, just good overall. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a brother who's like that. Right. And like my youngest brother, there's a huge difference in age. Um, and and he's almost 20, probably 25 years younger than me. He's challenged, but he's has his own uses. He's he's useful in his own way. I think 99 is a critically important character, and that there might be more than one doesn't necessarily take away from 99, because once again, he's an individual. And it really, like what they're doing here is establishing that the range of clones goes from super soldier down to a janitor Mm -hmm. and we can and now we can like tell a story about any of these guys right and even the story about the janitor is good yeah and that that's what gets me super excited about a guy like 99 yeah and oh yeah and the fact that like in attack of the clones they said that they're enhanced to have like a increased sense of duty so like even though he's not like the rest of the uh, rest of the clones he's he came out wrong He's not a sad sack feeling sorry for himself. Like, why am I? Why do I look like I was left out in the sun too long? And um, and I kind of I got a big hump. And said he he's got his duty and he does it. Like even if his duty is is cleaning toilets. Yeah, like gathering up the broken droids on the battlefield in the training room. And then we're, like I said, we're gonna get more ninety nine. We can we can go deeper on ninety nine on the episode that he gets. But I think we're in agreement that that this clone diversity that they're showing and that 99 being quote-unquote defective but still having that sense of duty and and saving Heavy and Domino from a worse fate is, like, he's a wonderful character. Yeah. He's he's kind of the, like, let's say he's not like the mascot, but just he's that, that fixture who's yeah. always there. In 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 the other show, Star Trek, there's Boothby, who's like the groundskeeper at Starfleet Academy, and he's like this old guy who tends like the orchids and shit. And it's like a rite of passage to like having having an interaction with him, a meaningful interaction. And, it, and it's like it's the same, no, like like a conversation, right? Okay. No, no jizz involved. <laughs> What's in this drink, Boothby? <laughs> <laughs> it's Earl Grey tea, I'm assuming. But the the point the point is 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 like 
it's one of these it's one of these guidance characters, right? It's it's the professor, it's the therapist in Goodwill Hunting. It's the character you interact with to become become the better person. Yeah, the um, the janitor and Rudy. Exactly. Um, yeah. That, uh, All right. Maybe yeah, we could <laughs> we, we could <laughs> we could uh, list characters uh, that are like that for <laughs> a long time. It's a trope. It's it's, it's like it's, it's like Yoda in Star Wars. What Star Wars? <laughs> I don't know. This thing nerds like. <laughs> All right. I there's a couple of things left in my notes. Um, that I just want to power through. Um, so the clone barracks that we see um, comes from the concept art for episode two, Attack of the Clones, that was never shot. Mm-hmm. Um, they cut out a bunch of clone shit in that movie because it was super long. They actually never built the sets or anything, but it ends up in, in this series because it's cartoons, and cartoons are a great way to tell these stories. Man, uh, can you imagine sleeping in those pods? Like, because they've got like it's like a Japanese hotel. It's like claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah, and the fact like what like what happens like late at night if like all of a sudden like you're on like the top one and like all of a sudden you're just like like oh boy I shouldn't have had those tacos, and you got to get out and then go all the way down and then you just got to like waddle to the to the bathroom and then you got to make your way up and then you're like ah oh, dang it and then go all the way back down. <laughs> all right. Um, and and I just want to point out that in addition to that, there's a continuity error in an upcoming episode called Rookies, which is season one. They refer to the BX series of battle droids as new models that they haven't encountered, except that they are present in the training course. And this episode predates Rookies. And the BX models are the what I what I usually call the agile battle droids, are the ones that jump around and sort mm. of like more like people. Yeah, I think these people. Uh, well, they're rookies. They're they're idiots. They don't know any better. Yeah, it's not a big continuity error. Um, and then the other question that I had when I was doing my research is: uh, Clone Wars came along. The series came along relatively late um, after Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. And there was a ton of stuff written in that ten-year period in between Attack of the Clones and when this was. Um, released and i was curious how they explained how the train how the clones got trained if there was any explanation about the training of the clones prior to this episode and there was and there is a group called i'm going to mess this up kuval dar and they were a group of 100 individuals summoned by Django fett to come to camino to train the clones and most of them were mandalorians Hmm. And and <clears throat> Kolvar Dar in Mandalorian means those who no longer exist because when they came to Kamino they were not permitted to leave, um, and so basically they devoted their lives to training this army using Mandalorian tactics and ethics. Yeah, well, I mean Rex, Rex's blasters are are look very much like uh, Sabine's. Yeah, and so the, so. So the Legends continuity for this training ties it back to the Mandalorian stuff. Mm-hmm. But I also like this number. There is no chance that um, Brick and um, Ellis are the only bounty hunters. They're, they have to be in charge of a section of the army, right? Oh, yeah. You would um, 
you would need hundreds for, for the amount the amount that they're pumping out the amount of training that they need they need um, ones to train them when they're they just need regular teachers too exactly um, and then then military instructors for their the military training and they have like like flight instructors like in rebels you f- um you find out that fen raw uh rao was one of the flight instructors on camino um, i i'd forgotten about that but that is that is in line with this um kuva kuvaldar idea that they they pulled in mandalorians to help them mhm and just pull it. that is something i never really thought about that like like, oh, what would they do? Well, they just have to keep them there and, until eventually the war breaks out, and then they can—they don't have to be so secretive anymore. But yeah, they would have to have like a ton of people and be able to basically like um, have them sworn to secrecy. So not only You're would they training have, millions of soldiers, yeah, they so would not, have to be private. Yeah. So not only do you—you you have to be experienced um, military instructor. Then you also have to be like somebody who can be trusted, not to uh, call home and say, "Hey, guess what I'm doing." You just be like, "Like, okay, um, I'm, I just they're they're gonna fake my death, and I live here now, doing this." Because they, they c- it can be all droids. It, they there has to be a bunch of other people like um, LS and Brick. Yeah, I assume I assume what we're witnessing is a slice and we're supposed to extrapolate it out to millions. And so we're looking at a couple hundred clones going through the process and extrapolate this out to millions. There must be dozens of these units that report back to shock T like here are the ones that just sail through Mm -hmm. and here are the ones that are exceptional. Here are the ones that are problematic, right? You don't, you don't care about the average ones. And do they have clones that they specifically teach to be, instructors um they did for war mantle yeah right. so like um because i mean they they cl- the clones have all sorts of d- d- you know different duties there's there's regular infantry arc troopers there's pilots uh na- naval um i don't say naval officers but um well, we saw, who, but, we, but we saw them when they when they bombarded camino yeah, then there's police officers, police. There would there would definitely be uh, ones that were like in that Rick and Morty episode where um, they're like all like, the planet is having uh, Rick's kids, and so like Rick and Beth are like come up with a system to siphon off like which ones go where. Right. So there has to be a thing like okay, like this number of batches. Okay, so we need some pilots, some gunners. These guys are going to go to like like naval. Um, naval ship training these are grunts and then this one is going to be a drill instructor and so like we'll then like um we'll we'll then train the other ones because like i mean drill instructor school is hard i mean they gotta they're like in drill drill instructor you know school like they go through it and they it's i obviously not gone through it but i've 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 read about it, you know, that they get trained to know the stuff up and down. So I could easily see them training clones just to know the stuff up and down. Like they're not meant to go out to, to fight. They're meant to stay there and teach them how to fight. Right. And that's, that's like the arc troopers we see here. Like their, their explicit purpose is to be hype men for the war. Mm-hmm. Right. They're propaganda pieces. 
All right, I'm out of notes. So do, you want to, do we want to do our last couple bits? So um, now's the time where we uh, rank the episode. Um, and our ranking system is we uh, use a character from Star Wars. So a really great episode would be uh, original trilogy characters such as Han, Luke, Leia, Darth Vader, Chewie, Lando, etc. A really bad one would be like uh, General Loathsome from you know, the Clone Wars. Like he's got a his name is exactly who he is, and he's pretty stupid. And if they would have cut that part out of the Clone Wars, <laughs> I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been like. You know, if there's a if there's a felony release and like that scene was no longer in there, I wouldn't be like uh, running, you know, in the rain to Felony's house, being like Felony, and be like, no, eh, I don't know. General Wilson's so, head is the wrong size. <laughs> so, Matt, what do you um, what do you give this episode? I think this episode is really important, and I think. I think especially in the order that we're watching it in, it is establishing a ton of really critical material. So I'm going to give it a hunter. Ooh, a hunter. Okay. I really, I, I, I'm cautious to go higher than that, but I want to, because I think this episode is very important. Mm-hmm. What do you give it? Yeah. Um, along the same lines, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a fives because Fives was a very important character. Um, he was actually in this episode. Um, and it's just, um, it's kind of like part of the, this just kicks off part of the greater uh, story about the clones and the secret, kind of the secrecy behind the clones and what happens uh, with them. So I give so, it Fives. It's a great pick. Yeah. All right. Should we do the dice thing? Yep, let's do it. All right, so at the end of every one of our Clone Wars review episodes, we roll a D20 to determine what our next episode will be. If I roll a 1, we will review an Ewoks episode from the 1985-86 Nelvana series Ewoks. And if I roll any other number, we will, we will review the next in-universe continuity order episode of Clone Wars, which in this case would be... Season 3, Episode 3, Supply Lines. I've got my D20 here, and I film the roll and place it on Twitter when I post the episode. And I'm recording. Here comes the roll. It is a 10. Okay. Escaped Ewoks for another day. (laughs) We're going to do one someday. Yeah. And it'll just be like, one, one, one. (laughs) We'll have to do like bunch in a row yeah um yeah so the next episode we'll review is supply lines and i'm really happy about that because i watched it um tonight and i have got notes already there's a very there's a very awesome easter egg in supply lines that i can't wait to talk about hmm, i'm gonna have to watch it again i watched it uh, a few days ago but i don't know if i'm caught the easter egg but okay so all right well that's the that's the episode um thanks for listening we're glad that you know anybody's listening to us uh wax on about uh star wars um be sure to um give us a good ranking on whatever podcast aggravate aggravator aggregator that you use um and, and um we don't put a lot of money into this so um go ahead uh tell a friend who's into star wars uh, about our show 
And uh, if you think we suck, well, tell somebody you hate about us because fuck you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we'll be back uh, <laughs> with the uh, next episode of Clone Wars, which is called what again? Supply Line. Oh, yes. When we'll be back with the next <laughs> episode of Clone Wars Supply Lines. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,